As sensitives, we find ourselves in a world encouraging us to tune out when our greatest power is to tune in. This leads us to miss the magic and wisdom inherently within and all around us. This is Tune In with Marcy, a podcast devoted to exploring what it means to reconnect to our intuitive nature and belong to the animate earth. I'm your host, Marcy Moberg, an intuitive soul guide, shadow worker, and plant spirit teacher. On this podcast, you'll find deep conversations, practical tips, inspiring stories, and answers to your burning intuitive questions. Equal parts spiritual and human, my work is trauma-informed and always practical. I'm so glad that your intuition led you here. Welcome. By the way, this is a Patreon-supported podcast. You can join starting at $10 a month. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash Marcy Moberg. Hey there, and welcome to Tune In with Marcy. I'm your host, Intuitive Soul Guide, Marcy Moberg, and I'm very grateful that you're here today. This week, I'm answering some amazing, rich listener questions on topics ranging from navigating Uh, seasons of transition in our life, to working with ancestors, to dreams, to plant spirits, really, really great topics. But before I dive in, let's talk about a couple quick notes and updates. First, this is the official final episode of season four of the podcast. Um, Not the final episode forever, just the final episode of this season. So don't freak out. I'm not going anywhere. Um, after this episode comes out, I'll just take a a brief break to recoup my energy. Um, just spend a little bit of time having a little bit more downtime, enjoying the final summer days and my garden and my love, my husband and the critters and, uh, the mountain and just have a little bit of a break and then prepare for season five of the podcast. I usually find when I kind of take these breaks, it gives me the space to be able to receive the inspiration of uh, what the next season wants to be focused on, what topics that looks like. Um, So that's what I'll be doing. I'll be spending a lot of time kind of just tuning in and listening and recouping. Um, But it's coming back. So don't think that it's not coming back. It is, I promise. I... um, Also, want to invite you to be a part of shaping, actually, season five. Whether you listen to every single episode, you've listened to three to four episodes, or one episode, half the episodes, just this season, whatever that is, you have the opportunity to share with me what topics that you would love to see in season five. Sharing is super easy. In years past, I've done kind of like a a listener survey. I feel like folks are just really um, tapped out in a different way than normal uh, after being in this pandemic for several years. And so I have made your opportunity to share questions, topics, feedback, just super easy. You just head on over to marcymoberg.com forward slash podcast, scroll to the bottom of the page where you find a button to submit a question. You just click the button It will automatically open an email, type what you want to share, click send. That's it. (laughs) Super easy. It literally can be a one to five minute, depending on how much time you want to spend, um, chance to provide feedback. But I 
really take every single part of feedback seriously. I read every message when they come in. Um, and if you like this podcast, I mean, what a great opportunity to shape it, right? Then you get to, it's like, if you already like it, you already look forward to episodes. Now you get to look forward to them even more because you can help shape them. So you can share questions, you can share topics, you can share any fun ideas that you have for season five. Again, you just go on, head on over to marcymoberg.com forward slash podcast and scroll to the bottom. You'll see the button. Easy peasy. Okay. By the way, did you know that the podcast will be three years old this October? Three years old. I think the podcast is going to be three years old. And I think my work will be eight years old, which is like, wow, pretty amazing. I've been doing this work full time for eight years, which is remarkable. All of that like (laughs) was this experiment. So my work was this experiment of like, okay, I will say yes to the universe that's pulling me in this direction. I committed to doing it for a year and then left the door open to doing something completely different, which in my mind at that time was maybe still going into a monastery and becoming a Buddhist nun, (laughs) which clearly I didn't do because here I am. And the same in the same way I did the same thing with the podcast. I was like, well, I will commit to doing this. I think I said I would commit to doing it for six months uh, and then, and like just try to produce one season and kind of see where it goes. And here we are three years, which is pretty cool. So yeah, it started out as this like experimental creative project, which was just following this calling that I kept receiving over and over again to create a podcast it was kind of beckoning me for years. And I finally said, yes, and also an opportunity to reach more people. And um, yeah, I just really wanted to connect in a more um, what felt like cozy, intimate way, I guess, in a sense, with folks who follow my work. Um, I have a newsletter, and that's also a great place to connect. But the podcast is then like where we can like you know, imagine that we're sitting down drinking tea, which I literally am drinking tea. It's funny. I was talking about that in this moment. And here it is. Here's my tea in my hand, actually. (laughs) Yes. It's like this way to imagine that we're drinking tea together and diving really deep into a topic. So I don't know. I've really enjoyed it. It's been really great. I am, I'm excited to continue it. And, uh, since, you know, the last almost three years, I've released 82 public episodes, which is like, wow. And there's been four seasons and the podcast has had thousands of listeners, which is just like, wow, it's pretty awesome to think about it when I really think about it. So thanks for being a part of that. And, um, excuse me, if you, if you love this podcast then I have a request for you while I am on hiatus between seasons, I would love for you to support my podcast. And there's three free ways that you can do that. The first is you can share a review of my podcast if you haven't already. And it just takes literally one to two minutes on Apple podcasts or Spotify. And those one to two minutes really make a big difference. They make a huge difference. Um, in supporting people to find the podcast. So if you've already given a review, thank you. If you haven't, I'd be so grateful if you could share one. 
And then a second idea is to share this episode or another episode that you really enjoyed with one friend or one loved one. And again, it seems small, but you know, we are like coming up on, um, I think almost 8,000, uh, listens, 8,000 lifetime listens. And if every single time a person listened to the podcast and shared it, like it would grow really fast if they shared with just one, one friend, it actually can make a huge difference. And it supports my, um, my natural business model, like my, the natural way that my business already is working, which is that my, my business tends to be quite driven by organic growth and uh, word of mouth. I love that because then when people listen to an episode <clears throat> or when a client, uh, you know, somebody comes to me as a potential client, they already know that there's a certain quality to my work because somebody's already been touched by it. So that means that most clients find me because I came highly recommended by another client or another practitioner. Um, It means that most listeners find me because my podcast came recommended by another listener. Um, So that's a really great way to share. And again, it's like a one to two minute action. And then a third way, which again is a free one to two minute action, is if you are on social media you can just like uh, take a screenshot of where you're listening, of what the podcast episode you're listening to, or the whole series of whatever that looks like for you. And then you can share it and you could tag me at Marcy Moberg if you want. And again, this is a really easy way to share more widely even than um, even just one friend, <clears throat> but to share with many friends and loved ones. So all three of these ways are really great ways to support my work. They're free. Uh, they're accessible to everyone and, um, and they empower the podcast to reach more listeners like you. And it's a great way to practice reciprocity and give back. So yeah, thanks for considering. Um, another idea I have for you while I'm on hiatus is if you haven't listened to all the episodes in season four, you can go back and you can use this as kind of catch up time and, uh, Go back and listen to episodes that you missed or listen to earlier seasons. Um, Go back and re-listen to an episode that really touched you. It's likely that you will find something uh, new there for you that kind of starts to emerge. I always find that to be the case with uh, my favorite teachers, practitioners, mentors. Like I can listen to something from them, whether it's a podcast or a class and uh, a lot of times, the second time or third time listening, I will receive something different because, you know, we're always evolving and we need to receive different messages at different times. Okay, last thing I'll say before we get into the episode, and that is um, if you aren't already on my newsletter, make sure to join at the link in the show notes wherever you're listening, or you can head on over to my, my website, marcymoberg.com, and you'll see a newsletter block right there. It's pretty easy to find. And when you sign up as a gift for joining, you'll receive access to a recorded masterclass. It's all about how to hear your inner voice. And, um, and in that masterclass, I share some really practical tools about how you can start to sort through your intuition from your fear, um, starting to get in touch with your, your inner truth. And then, you know, once you're on the newsletter, you're officially part of my kind of like my inner circle 
And that's great because then you will be the first to know when season five is going to be going live, as well as all of my latest updates on work. Um, I often share exclusive offers there for, for folks. I will usually share projects I'm working on there first before um, sharing on more public channels like social media, etc. So, <clears throat> excuse me, that's a great, a great way to also know if you're like, well, how will I know when season five comes out? That's a great way. And if you haven't, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen uh, so that you don't miss an episode. Um, a lot of the platforms now have the opportunity to turn on notifications so that it's really easy to know when uh, the latest episode of a podcast that you love is live. So those are all the updates. So let's dive into listener questions. I have uh, like four buckets of questions. The first set are about plant spirits and then ancestors, uh, seasons of transition during the year, for example, like spring, fall, etc. Um, but also I'm going to talk about that in, in terms of personal transitions and then dreams. So it's going to be a very rich episode. Usually when I do episodes, I do a lot of research, um, pre-reflection, preparation, etc. before I kind of click the button to hit record. And today I'm not doing that because I, uh, when I asked folks, you know, to offer questions up, questions that they wanted me to answer, I asked them, you know, if we were sitting around and drinking tea, what would you want to ask and what would you want to chat about? So I want this to authentically feel like that. Um, I wanted uh, my responses to really be what's alive and on my heart in the moment. So that's what we got today. All right, first question is, um, how do you know a plant spirit is calling you? Well, I would say for each person, that answer could be different. And, um, I think, you know, one of the most important first steps we can take is really to learn how the spirit world and our intuition uniquely speaks to us. And it's one of the things I teach in my course, Intuition Unlocked, which is like a foundational intuition development course. But I, I do think that that's really important. It's important to know, you know, does the spirit world, uh, spend a lot of time communicating to me through dreams or do I find that, uh, most of the time, the way that I receive communication is through synchronicities. Do I feel like I receive, uh, information primarily through visions and meditation, or do I feel like, um, I'm a little bit more of an auditory person and I experience, you know, kind of stream of consciousness, uh, moving through my mind, um, hearing thoughts, but that I can really sense are kind of not uh, like, they're not, they're not thoughts that I would have originally come up with. So really, I think, you know, we kind of, uh, we need to rewind back and we need to talk about, you know, and, and first get clear on for ourselves personally, individually, how does the spirit world communicate with us? And then from there, by extension, we can know how, for example, a plant spirit calls us. 
In my case, I find that plant spirits communicate to me quite often through the dream space. That tends to be a pretty uh, important channel for me in my communication with the spirit world. And so I find that a lot of plants will show up for me in dreams when they want to start to work together, when they have an important message um, to indicate for me, you know, how our kind of connection is developing, if they have specific requests, etc. But that also can look like, you know, sometimes just a lot of synchronicities. For me, it's usually, I know a plant spirit is really calling me when it's showing up in a lot of different channels. So for example, a plant spirit um, might be showing up in a dream. I might have a dream with this plant. And then, you know, in the same week, someone starts talking to me about this plant. And then the next thing I know, I have like a synchronicity and maybe I like actually see this plant several places. Um, so for me, it's kind of like it starts to become undeniable where this plant is just like in my field of awareness, showing up in my everyday in various forms, whether it's people talking about it or somebody teaching about it in an herbal class that I didn't expect we were going to, to learn about uh, in my dream space. Someone gets, sometimes somebody gifts me a plant like that or somebody gifts me a flower essence of that plant. Um, so for me, it, it just, it kind of becomes undeniable. And I usually will kind of like wait and to wait for a little bit of time. So if I get a dream, I'll be like, well, that's interesting. That's quite, quite interesting that this plant showed up in my dream. And I usually take that as like one of my first signs. And then if I start to have all these synchronicities around this dream, like people just kind of start talking to me about this plant all the time, then that's an interesting second synchronicity. So it's like, I will usually wait for the energy to build into a place where it's like, okay, this is it's pretty undeniable. It's pretty uncanny. Um, for me, that used to take a really long period of time. And when I, by I mean long period of time, I don't just mean like, I mean, everyone's idea of long is different, I guess, right? But by long, I don't mean a couple of days. I don't even mean like a month. It used to be... Well, I mean, I talked a little bit about this in the in my last episode about poisonous plants. Um, you know, for example, with Datura, I mean, that was years. <laughs> I've gotten a lot better about shortening that process because I I trust my intuition now, and I feel like I've had enough experiences with plant spirits that I kind of I now generally know after having um, had quite a few plant spirits call me over the years and learning those patterns I generally know now if a plant spirit really is calling me um and the way that I know that for sure too another point of interest um in addition to like having that calling come through in uncanny ways and uncanny meaning it's like kind of that undeniable you know like it's pretty it seems pretty obvious through multiple channels so let's say I do that's all happening and then let's say I lean in to say yes and I start to work with the plant. That can be a lot of different forms. It could be I'm growing the plant. It could be I'm working with a flower essence. It could be I'm doing rituals, altar work, like all sorts of different ways that I work with plant spirits. Could be I'm doing all those things. And then I'm looking for feedback in the field around um, how's that plant spirit receiving that contact. And Again, I will usually start to get very, it just becomes very clear. Like I might, um, I'm thinking about something, a plant spirit that I did this with, with recently. 
um, that showed up this summer that was just really like, I mean, just a very strong, a uh, very strong calling and a very strong personality. And uh, so once I finally said yes, then I had quite a few dreams related to this plant spirit, even on times when I wasn't necessarily intentionally thinking of them and uh, quite a few synchronicities during the waking life. And so for me, that was then, you know, a confirmation that I answered the call and there's a, that there was a true calling. I answered the call and then now there's like a reverberation. There's like uh, a relationship that's starting to form now a bond. So that's, hopefully that makes sense. It's never a, I think this is something really important to say. This is not unique to plant spirits. This is about what I'm about to say is about the spirit world. It's what I, what I'm about to say is about intuition. What I'm about to say is about our heart's wisdom. What I'm about to say is about anything that's led uh, from the wisdom in life. And that is that it's never linear. And so many of us want this, this to be linear and it's just not, you know, like I, I teach people a process that's linear of, for example, how to build a relationship with plant spirits. And it's linear in the sense that like there are building blocks about how you can build momentum, but it's never linear in the sense that it's never like exactly A to Z how it's going to go, you know? And I think that that's really important. I think part of stepping into a place where we are re-enchanted with the world, where we weave together our relationship with the human and the spirit worlds, and we, we do acknowledge and honor both our human side, our spirit side, our material world, our immaterial world. And we start to allow something deeper inside of us and deeper inside of the world to guide us we have to recognize that it's not linear. I mean, I just, I can't say that enough. I can't say that enough. So I want to name that too, as we dive into all these topics today, which are all, all have nonlinear components to them. It's not really like an A, B, C, D, E, F, G kind of a pathway. It's never like that. Um, Yeah. Okay. Next question that I received is, when did you start noticing the plants communicating how and when to use them? I think the first time I noticed that for myself is probably with yarrow. I can't remember how much I dived into that in the yarrow episode. Sometimes I can't remember because I talk about, you know, I talk about certain topics so much in one-on-one work and then Somebody asked me to teach a workshop over here and then I'm teaching, then I like do this podcast. And, um, so (laughs) I can't remember if I named that, but I would say that probably the, and it might've happened sooner, but the, the first thing that's coming to me in this moment was my experience with Yarrow. And that was, um, I'm pretty sure I shared about this at some point. I had a dream, uh, with Yarrow and this was before I learned about how Yarrow uh, works as a from a medicinal perspective. In, in essence, Yara was gifted to me from by now by someone who's now a dear friend of mine. She gave me a, a Yara flower essence, 
at the end of a retreat, she was just kind of like, I feel like this bottle is meant to be yours. And so she gave it to me. And um, I started working with a fluorescence. I didn't know uh, much about yarrow other than um, she had indicated that it was good for kind of sensitive people and um, maybe something about boundaries. And I had a dream where I was with a friend and um, I was like in another time period and in another place, which I feel like I've never been to New Orleans, but that's what it felt like, looked like, smelled like it looks like New Orleans. Um, and based on what I know about this person's uh, history, I think they might have had ancestors that came through there. So I, I was in this um, hallway with a friend and I, they were kind of like updating me on kind of why they called me. And I recognized that he had called me to help do some healing on one of his ancestors. So I like go through this hallway. I am given, um, I wash my hands and then I'm given like a bowl with yarrow leaves in it. Uh, I go into a room, which is basically a, a house, but it's basically like the treatment room. This, these family members have showed up with this younger family member to come for healing and support. And then I go through like a process. I know exactly what to do of how to heal this person. This person looked almost like as if they had gone, gone through like a really horrible car accident. And when I was working with Yarrow, Yarrow was both healing the wounds and stopping the bleeding and also kind of like re-knitting them together. Um, after that experience, I then believe like maybe months later, I was in a class where I learned that Yarrow is a wound healer and is supportive for stopping bleeding. Um, really great for those kind of acute situations where you need to stop the bleeding, regulate bleeding as soon as possible. And also has this ability, I, you know, I recognized that when we were talking about how um, the flower essence of Yarrow is great for boundaries and sensitive people, I also had this sense based on the dream that Yara was teaching me that Yara actually helps to knit people energetically back together. Um, and kind of like when people have gone through a trauma, address that shattering of spirit that happens. So that's the first time that I can think of um, where a plant really did that clearly. Another example that came later um, gosh, I don't know how many years later, but several years later than when I was in herb school, um, when we got our plants, we had to order herbs for herb school because we were asked to diet them on a regular basis. And so when I did that and I remember putting them away in the cabinet, the first bag that I put away was nettle stinging nettle. And I noticed that when I touched the bag, I felt really hot. <laughs> and um, as I kept exploring this, I realized I, one of my gifts is that I do have the ability to uh, read information through my hands. And so what I learned through that process of just kind of noticing that, that every single time I, I touched the bag, etc., over time, I realized that the plant spirit was showing me 
about how the plant works um, physio- physiologically in the body. And so that became like a practice that I used for my own personal herbal care um, in my own health would be to actually work with the plants by touching them and and getting a sense of how the plant interacted with my physiology and my body. And so in that case, stinging nettle was showing me that the plant is Martian in nature, has an affinity for Mars, has an affinity for fire, has an affinity for heat. And um, at the time I had this sense like, oh, I think this plant is showing me what they do in my body like increasing circulation and raising some heat. And I was getting really sweaty. And, um, and so I had that, that sense. And then later when I learned about uh, stinging nettle in my herbs, herb school, then that confirmed it. So I guess those are some of the first examples that I can think of. And there were, I think, you know, how the plants have worked with me over time is that they worked by, um, they have shown me obvious ways and then move, and then subtle ways. And I think the ways that they tend to communicate how and when to use them um, over time has been uh, subtle also. So we've kind of moved from, and probably because, I mean, even just where I feel most called towards, you know, like I'm, I, I, I've gone through basic training and I continue to take herbal classes, but what I feel most called towards with the plants or what I feel most aligned to is the plant spirit, the, like the spiritual aspect of the plants, how the plants help us heal on a spirit level, how they help us heal on an emotional level, how they can form deep relationships with us. I'm most interested in that because I see those as the bedrock of physiological healing and or imperative um to physiological healing if that makes sense and so I think that a lot of times when it it was one of my my frustrations with the herbal world when I when I first opened up to the herbal world and started taking herbal classes and studying I found it all so fascinating and exciting to feel like oh my gosh finally I'm connecting with you know these plants that are medicinal and gosh, this is, this was meant, this was my ancestors like pharmacy, you know, and that got lost along the way. So that felt really exciting. But I also, like I said, because I felt like the plants were communicating to me from the beginning, from a very like spirit oriented place and teaching me some things, for example, like Yarrow about this idea that, you know, trauma shatters your spirit. And then Yarrow helps bring the spirit back together. And that's really what underpins how they heal boundaries and how Yarrow then therefore can stop bleeding. It's like, it's a very much like a a very different orientation that I feel like the plants brought to me from the beginning and feels um, more aligned for me. And so in many ways, that process like opened me up to having to be guided in kind of that non-linear, non-traditional way, because I wouldn't get that information in a traditional herbal class. I would learn, you know, uh, the phytochemicals of what, why does yarrow do what it's do? Why, why does yarrow help regulate, uh, bleeding and, uh, the elemental natures of yarrow, you know, which elemental nature is yarrow connected to? Is it more water? Is it more earth? Is it more air? Is it more fire? Um, is it uh, more of a heating herb or a cooling herb? And how does what body systems does it work on? All those things were interesting, but 
I had this sense from the beginning that the plants wanted to work with me and wanted to work mainly, I want to name, like wanted to work through me um, on these spiritual ways. And so that's kind of how it started. And then in the moment, how do I know, how, how did I, how do I know when a plant is communicating how and when to use them? It kind of goes back to this question around calling. It, um, it just becomes very obvious. And, and over, it's like, mm. so underpinning all of this is a need to learn things like symbology, a need to learn how to work with dreams, a need to learn how to work with the spirit world, a need to learn how intuition works, how to develop our intuition, the different ways that intuition speaks to us. Again, that's why I, you know, started a long time ago as a, as a bedrock, like kind of base point of just teaching people like how to develop their intuition in the first place. I knew that that was not my primary calling, but those are skills that everyone needs in order to do something like plant spirit communication, for example, right? Um, so as a side note, if you're interested in any of that, I teach that in, uh, in the online course, um, Intuition Unlocked, which is available um, all year round. You can take it um, at any point. It's self-paced. So if, if that's something you're interested in, I recommend you check that out. Um, you can find it on my website, but you know, that all contributes to the how and the when to use them because I've, I've developed quite a strong, I've developed quite a strong dream practice for over many, many, many years. I've developed quite a strong understanding of symbology over many years. I have a very strong understanding of how the spirit world communicates to me. And, you know, based on all of that, it creates kind of like this internal lexicon, this internal encyclopedia, this internal framework, uh, reference book, you could say metaphorically, um, you know, like my own personal like book of shadows, grimoire of practice for how I recognize the how and the when. Um, and so just, I think a lot of times experience over time, the more experiences you have, the more it becomes obvious. It's a little bit less blurry, less confusing. Um, practice, you know, practice does align in that way. And the other thing I would say is like, you know, each of us have unique relationships with the plants. Not everyone, like, you know, there are some uh, folks who work with plants and their primary calling, like their the primary way that the plants want to work through them is very physiologically. And that's important. And that's in a very important role. I'm very thankful to that and to those practitioners, you know, one of which uh, a naturopath who really helped me change my, my Lyme symptoms a lot because he has this amazing ability to understand like physiology and herbs and, and you know, that's his gift. And that's in the way how the plants work through, through him. And, you know, I think each person is different. There are other people, um, who the primary, where the plants want to communicate through them or connect to others through them is through, uh, gardening or growing, um, you know, or landscaping or, uh, replanting or being, uh, being a support to the pollinators. And I mean, yeah, everyone's different. It just happens to be like, you know, the way that I talk a lot about uh, plants 
um, in my podcast, in my teachings, is the way that the plants want to share through me. You know, I understand that part of my role is to really emphasize their spiritual nature, to really emphasize their consciousness, to really emphasize them as teachers, to really emphasize them as wisdom keepers. And that's primarily why I'm here. I'm, I'm not necessarily here. And, you know, that could change. Maybe they show us something different. But right now, what I understand is I'm not primarily here, um, you know, to teach people necessarily and work on the physiological aspects of a, of a plant and, you know, people coming to me and me treating them like an herbal doctor. Instead, I'm here to help people heal their spirits and um, come back to their personal wisdom with the plants as the teachers in the spirit world classroom. So I hope this is making sense. So the how and the when is, it's clear to me because of lots of time uh, over time of practice. It usually comes to me in dreams. It usually comes to me over prolonged periods of time. And most of all, it comes to me through direct experience. So I will receive a message. I will immediately, um, you know, once I have the message, it feels really clear. I will act on the message of in response because usually the plants teach me how and when to use them through my own life first. That's just how it works for me is they will usually come to me and they will come to focus, um, for, for example, like, you know, Yarrow coming to, to work with me on boundaries and to teach me a lot about energetic boundaries and what does it mean? What kind, you know, why do sensitive people have energetic boundary trouble? troubles and where does that come from and what's the connection to trauma like all those pieces I feel like Yarrow taught me and uh and then through that process of Yarrow teaching me that through that through dreams through me working directly with the plant over a long period of time growing the plant all sorts of different practices that I have around that um then you know it's like then people Yarrow people in a sense start showing up to me and and I understand um my my um, herb school teacher, when I first went through herb school, um, Ashley Lataki Ellen Bass, beautiful teacher, um, she kind of talked about this in a kind of from a more of a physiological perspective that she would kind of like work with, you know, work with a plant or a plant would like come into her repertoire. She would learn about the plant and then she would like suddenly start to get like all these chamomile people, which is really interesting. And um, in a sense, that's happened to me but from a plant spirit level. And sometimes I'm inviting the, the clients that are coming to me that are quote unquote Yarrow people to work with Yarrow. And other times like that's not necessary. Like Yarrow's medicine is working through that experience with them anyways, because the issues are receiving the wisdom. Like the way I'm working on those issues and guiding folks through that is based on the wisdom of Yarrow as my teacher. So I hope that makes sense. <laughs> okay, uh, next question. Can you say more about your work with poisonous plants? In episode 81, which is the one before this one, I talked about poisonous medicine. Um, what I can say additionally is that poisonous plants are tend to be my primary allies these days, which is not something, I mean, as I talked about in the last episode, not something I ever expected, but now it makes a lot of sense. And I work with them primarily through flower, personally through flower essences and growing them. And, um, 
and a lot of dream work, a lot of ritual work. Yeah, that's what I want to say about that. A lot of plant spirit communication practices and um, do the same with other people. So if I'm working on something, I'm, I'm working with a client and I recognize like, you know, a lot of times this has been happening a lot recently, like a plant spirit will just like kind of keep showing up in my awareness and in my awareness in relationship to that person, I will recognize like, oh, this person needs to work with Belladonna. Belladonna keeps showing up over and over and over again. And every single time I think of Belladonna, I think of this client. And then the, the, I might be in client sessions and then the client's talking to me about these challenges they're having. And I might recognize like, well, Belladonna is the expert teacher on that, that subject, on that issue. And then I will a lot of times recommend, you know, like, for example, hey, I think you might want to consider how what do you think about working with Belladonna and, and, and the flower essence of Belladonna? What do you think about, etc. So so there's that. And um also coming out soon, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, I, I will be leading um these kind of three-month journey experiences that folks can go through in a one-on-one container with me where we go through over a three-month process like how to work very deeply with a plant spirit and the first plant spirit that came to me and taught me this process reminded me uh, well basically told me like hey this is like how I want to be shared um, is a poisonous plant so that's another thing to say about that Um, but poisonous plants are just really amazing allies um I think they're expert teachers for those of us who have a lot of trauma and, um, you know, because they're, they have this affinity for the underworld and trauma is kind of like our own personal underworld that we carry inside of us. Um, and that asks for visitation in a sense, when we're doing trauma resolution work, when we're doing work to resolve trauma, to move the trauma out of the body, to understand it, to connect dots, to acknowledge feelings that we didn't have space to acknowledge before we are diving into our own personal underworld. And so the poisonous plants have this unique affinity for that space. And they, you know, I think my experience is also, they carry the vibration of the dark and the light. They have this ability to be the, uh, as I talked about it like a couple episodes ago, bridge keepers, like they have this bridge keeping gift of being able to be in underworld uh, and upper world to be able to be in the, in the shadows and in the light, you know, um, the different layers of who we are. I find that they're experts at weaving us back into wholeness um, because they're not afraid to, to dive into underworld. They have this affinity with them which I believe over time through misunderstandings in kind of some folk traditions has been understood that these plants are like associated with like really evil things. And that's just not my experience at all. I do find that they are associated with the shadow and we all have shadow. We all have aspects of ourselves that we have exiled away, that we have turned away from, that we are, that we avoid, that we are ashamed of, that we've disconnected from, that we're unconscious of, like, they're experts at that. They're just, they have this huge range of, of ability to, to dive into all the emotions and all the realms of human experience, um, 
which ultimately when we can do that, when we can expand our emotional capacity, when we can expand our ability to hold with love and compassion all the parts of ourselves, that is where our personal power lies. So that's what I'll say about that. So how do, this is the next question, how do plant spirits practically connect to the everyday life? Um, Sometimes I get asked about this question in relationship to plant spirits, but also sometimes people think about that in terms of like spirit guides or something. And for me, this is a very interesting question. I'm really glad someone brought it to me because I think it's really a modern, a unique uh, question for the modern day in the sense that if we had brought this question to our ancestors, they would be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Because for them, you know, our ancestors, like the spirit world and the material world, were not separate. It was understood that the spirit world would guide the material world. It was understood that, for example, dreams is where you would get your greatest instructions and that would guide your everyday. And so the spirit world was not something separate. It was not something extra. It was not something that we dabbled in. It was not a hobby. It was not um, something to make time for. It was like the other 50% of life. And so, and, and that, that still is the case for folks who are um, connected to tradition, who are connected to um, indigenous teachings, uh, lineages, like, you know, it's not this separate thing. And so in many ways, this is a modern question. This is a question that arises from a culture where spirit is separate from material and where it's extra and it's been denied and it's been exiled and it's become shadow. But really, in reality, that's not how life exists. And the more that we kind of, um, the more that we open ourselves up, I have found that the more that folks open themselves up to things like dreams, to uh, things like ancestors, uh, plant spirits, like the spirit world, their own spirit, the more they realize, wow, this other reality is always ever present and here. And there are certain ways that I can access that more than others. But it's not that when I'm awake and in my material world that the spirit world is gone. It's still here. And rather in my belief that it's not here, I cause separation inside of myself from my own wisdom, from my own inner compass. So part of the reason why I'm so passionate about plant spirit work is I see that plant spirits can be the bridge. This is what I feel like they've taught me, that plant spirits are this easy bridge to reweaving human culture back into our spirit culture. And they serve as these easy bridges for that because they exist in our everyday life. They have a physical body just like humans. They have these they, they, they live in the dual world. You know, like, for example, unlike ancestors, if a, someone transitions, I don't get to experience them in their material form on an everyday basis. 
and in spirit form, like in dreams and in meditations. But I do get to experience that with plants. I do get to experience that with trees. I do get to experience that with fungi. I can experience that with animals. And so I think that plant spirits uh, can help reweave us back into the other 50% of life. And I think that they are amazing teachers. They are my teachers. And they, they guide me when I make dis- very practical decisions, whether it's, um, you know, w- what's coming forward in my work, uh, you know, where I live, um, do I get another critter in, farm, in our household? Um, do I deepen a relationship with someone, a friendship? Like all these things, for me, they get guided by that spirit world and that intuit, intuitive place inside of myself, my own internal spirit, my heart's wisdom. And plant spirits are usually at the forefront of that. Anytime I'm working on something in my inner healing world, plant spirits are at the forefront of that. Um, you know, for example, let's say I'm working on building, I, 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 this, this, let's say, for example, the, something that I've been working with for a while is like, I, uh, which I shared a little bit of a couple episodes ago, but like, I received these like really strong instructions, right. on like, what is my sacred role here on earth? And that part of my sacred role is a medicine carrier. Part of my sacred role is to be, um, be a vessel for these plants, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in service to the plants. I'm in service to these sacred plants. I'm in service to, to poisonous plants. That's part of why I'm here. And there's wisdom in, with them. There is medicine in them. Medicine, not, just like I said earlier, not, uh, I'm, I'm not here necessarily to work on the physiological aspect of their medicine. I'm here to work on the spiritual, the emotional medicine that they share. Medicine being wisdom. That, that's, that's my role here. And, and sometimes that includes ingestion, like working with a flower essence, for example, etc. Um, but the plants... Like they gave me that role. I, I got that role through, through conversation and communication with plant spirits. And that was gifted to me through a vision. It was gifted to me through several dreams. That's like, that's everything. It's guiding my career, you know? It's guiding the choices I'm making. It's guiding what continuing education opportunities I say yes to or no to. Um, it's everything. So, but where my orientation has come to over time of working a lot with the spirit world has been to this place where for me, the spirit world, it doesn't, it's no longer separate. It's, it is part and and parcel of the everyday. And it is for me as real as the material world. And sometimes I still have to work with my conditioning to remind myself that it's real and to not fall into aspects of doubting myself, etc., because there's still that there. There's still, I, you know, I'm still born from a culture that I believe is very broken because of this. So that's what I want to say about that. <laughs> I hope that was helpful. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I hope that was helpful. I, you know, I think we just, we just need to open ourselves to this world that's are all around us and that's communicating with each other. But we, so many of us as a, as, as modern humans living in culture that's broken, that doesn't acknowledge the spirit layers of ourselves individually and of life. It's like you're, you know, it's like we're walking around with headphones on with the music really loud and there's a lot of conversation happening around us and we're missing it. There's a lot of life happening around us and we're missing it. And and it's not just like um some of that's, you know, not related to us personally specifically, but also some of it is related to us personally. Like metaphorically there are there are plant spirits, there are guiding spirits that are metaphorically like coming up to each and every single one of us and trying to talk to us and trying to guide us, trying to help us align with our greatest good and our wisdom and the sacred role that we came to play in the greater web of life and how to collaborate and how to, how to um, cooperate to make this existence much more in alignment with the sacred earth um but because we have this bifurcation in our culture we carry this bifurcation in our minds so let's switch gears if we can and talk about ancestors because i have a great question from a listener about that and that is how do you start an ancestor practice they said i've been working on my genealogy and some ancestors have been visiting in my dreams, and they seem to be happy about my work, but I'm not getting clear messages from them. So any suggestions on how to develop a deeper practice would be great. So one, I think embedded in this around starting an ancestor practice is I do think genealogy work uh, is a really great contributor to ancestor work. I think it's very important. I think it can contribute to... Um, ancestral repair, especially for those of us that come from um, broken lineages where the wisdom traditions in our family were broken, where maybe we, you know, family members came over and they worked so hard to assimilate that they lost their culture. Um, I think in that case, genealogy can be important. Also, sometimes you find some really important threads of stories that have been lost along the way. And that certainly has been the case for me in, in the genealogy work I've done and in the genealogy work I've done in partnership with some family members. There are some really important stories that um, we're uncovering that got lost, really important parts of our ancestry that got hidden. Um, and... Uh, I believe that that is healing those lineages by by bringing that from the unconscious into the conscious. So genealogy work is is big. It seems like um, uh, just a material task, but I actually do believe that it also supports the spiritual side of things. And another piece is you know uh, for this listener they mentioned you know the ancestors have been visiting in their in their dreams. That's quite. I think that's probably one of the most common forms of spirit contact that folks have is 
um, ancestors visiting in dreams and and that's great and it might be that for example to this for this specific listener that the ancestors might not have any specific messages for you right now they might just want you to know that they're present and you know um that they're glad that you're doing your the genealogy and you keep doing the work because maybe the messages you're meant to receive are already emerging just in the actual genealogy work itself the other piece i would say is that um I personally have found that um, altar work with ancestors has been really powerful for me. Um, So that might be something to consider, something to name that I think is important that I learned from uh, a bunch of the classes that I took with Daniel Four, who's an ancestral teacher. Um, I really appreciate that he emphasizes at least at the beginning, not necessarily putting images of um, transitioned ancestors on your altar. And I think that that's important because, you know, he kind of emphasizes that we don't really know the wellness of those ancestors. We might have in our mind that, oh, I really loved, you know, aunt so-and-so or whoever that was. But it might be that they've transitioned and they haven't fully like finished their own healing and kind of joined with the the broader ancestor lineage line. And so, um, you know, you really want to be drawing from the wellspring of uh, ancestral energy that is fully healed and well and strong and can like back your life. Um, And so... I really have appreciated that because I, over the years, as I've done ancestor work, I really like to work a little bit more with the the symbology of the those lineages. Um, and and altar tending is really powerful because it is an externalization of what we're doing inside of our heart, you know. And I think you know con- this consistent practice is really important. For anything, when we're doing relationship building, you know, what you kind of give in can be sometimes what comes back, right? So what I mean by that is not with expectations that if I tend an altar, then my ancestors are going to get like, give me all this stuff. But rather, like, if I genuinely tend an altar, if I genuinely have a consistent practice of, of, of nurturing that relationship, then it's more likely that that relationship will, will deepen and will strengthen in its nurturance and how I feel that and experience that back and so you know it's no different than plant spirits it's a similar way anytime we're working in the spirit world it's similar to how we would be in the material world we want to be very mindful about how we tend those relationships and cherish them and uh, you know show up to them consistently and be reliable and be accountable and be responsible and extend love and you know all those things exist so I would encourage you know any of that bringing any of those like very healthy important relationship dynamics into an ancestor practice as well um there's a lot more to say about that but that's kind of where I will will stop for now um And if folks listening are feeling like interested and wanting to deepen your unique relationship with your ancestor practice, then I recommend, you know, you reach out and consider maybe doing some 
uh, one-on-one work because it's also very personal. It's not, I, I don't, there are, you know, certain approaches that can be useful um, of providing like a general framework, like Daniel Four's work is great general framework. And that being said, I do think that each case is unique. And, um, and so if you find that you are doing, you know, you're trying to develop a relationship with your ancestors and you're getting stuck or anything like that, you're like, I'm trying to develop a relationship with my ancestors. I'm getting a little stuck. I'm trying to develop a relationship with these plant spirits. I'm getting stuck. I'm trying to develop a relationship with my dreams. Anytime we're trying to develop a relationship with something in the spirit world and you're getting stuck, just remember, like, you don't have to do it alone. Um, there are folks and practitioners out there like me who can support you in that journey and have mentored and walked many people through that journey. And, and you might have some unique specific circumstances that someone like me who has expertise might recognize and see that a book won't pick up, you know, you're reading a book and you're like, oh, and you might not connect certain dots that I might or another practitioner might. And so just again, another emphasis that like, we're not meant to do all this alone. Um, and so if you need support, I encourage you to reach out for that and, and support yourself. Uh, okay. This next bucket of question well, it, it is a single question, but it's a rich one. And that's about seasons of transition. And this listener asks, what are your go-to practices, herbs, stones, etc., for seasons of transition? And I want to talk about this broadly of seasons of transition in the sense that like we all experience seasons of transition as far as like literally the seasons like spring and fall, but also seasons of transitions like uh, what I like to call threshold moments, like moving to a new place, uh, changing careers, getting married, getting divorced, having a baby, you know, all these kind of things. Um, uh, starting uh, a new training program, going back to school, like whatever that is. There are these like seasons of transition or change or we're in the process of uh, letting go of a part of ourselves, our identity, we, we've matured, whatever that is. So transition, transition, transition. Um, what I'm thinking about practices that support during transition, um, I would say a big one is dream practice. I can't emphasize that enough. I find that my dreams are really, really, really important part of my spiritual practice. And they are really important during seasons of transition because a lot of times our dreams will show us feelings that we're not aware of. I literally was just talking to a friend um, a couple hours ago before I clicked record to to do this podcast. And um, they're in the process of dreaming dreaming (laughs) they're in the process of moving and they told me about a dream and what's interesting is I kind of like asked them about the dream like oh do you understand what this might mean etc does it relate to like what's happening in your life and there was this understanding this sense of like well hmm, maybe maybe the dream was actually showing them some feelings that they weren't aware that they were feeling because they've just been really physically tired from doing all this moving and spending a lot of energy doing that. And, and so that's important. The dream might be showing them some emotions that they're not conscious of, you know? So dream work I find is essential. And, um, you know, if anybody wants mentoring on dream work, I, I do that all the time with people. I help people develop a very strong personal practice with dreaming as a basic, basic, basic point. You want to write down your dreams, 
um, in the present tense as if they are happening right now because it does help you recall more and it kind of unlocks the dream a little bit. Um, and you want to document them in written form consistently because you'll find that you'll look back at them and you might not understand the dream now. And then you go back and look at it and you're like, oh, totally, I, I see what that was about now. And you can track um, trends that way, you know. So, for example, uh, let's say you're doing a career change um, and it feels really great. And then you keep having like these really, really strange dreams over and over again that are super stressful. And in the dream, um, you always end up like there's like fear is showing up over and over again, like in, in different dreams. Well, that might be interesting because maybe you're not acknowledging that some part of you is feeling actually quite afraid of this transition and needs some support. So dreams are essential. I would say another piece is journaling. Um, you know, journaling our feelings, just like plain old stream of consciousness is really powerful. It's a very simple practice. It can resolve a lot. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I really can't say that enough. I think dream work and like if I were to be, if it's like you could have two, two practices, it would be dream work and journaling because those two places, like you can get a lot of, you can connect a lot of dots. You can surface a lot of unconscious material. You can bring a lot of subconscious material into the conscious. Like it, it can just really help you see things differently. Um, in a different light, you might kind of journal your feelings and then you go back two days later and you look at it and you think like, wow, I had no idea that I was feeling like that anxious about this transition and that's interesting and okay, so maybe I need to soothe myself more. Um, so that's what I'll say about that. Herbs, it kind of depends on uh, what's happening, but one of my consistent go-to herbs is chamomile. Chamomile is an amazing um, plant spirit with this, you know, I kind of think of chamomile and a plant spirit perspective as like the like a mothering plant and the, the plant that teaches us, um, how to mother our inner children, uh, and to get in touch with our inner children, the younger parts of ourselves that are kind of like still mature and frozen in time. If you're thinking to yourself, I don't have those parts, then you definitely do. <laughs> you definitely do. <laughs> um, and if you're thinking to yourself, I definitely have those parts, then yes, you definitely do. You're right. <laughs> um, I find that our inner children, like our younger parts of ourselves, the immature parts of ourselves that haven't, you know, fully matured yet, they get really, they get really, um, kicked up during seasons of transition, whether it's literally like a personal transition or just like the transition to fall and spring, because, um, it can irritate certain constitutions. And, and I think when our, our constitution, personal physiological constitution gets irritated, then that like can translate into emotional irritation, which can irritate our younger, um, younger children, inner children, inner adolescents, uh, inner teens, etc. So chamomile is a great, um, support for that. Um, any of the, the nervine plants, any plants that support like the nerves, the nervous system, whether it's chamomile or, um, oats, like oat straw. Um, I, I'm a big fan of reishi. Reishi is a, a huge ally of mine, just really supports, 
you know, reishi is an adaptogen and helps to kind of address like the, the stress systems and helps to kind of make like soften the curve on our adrenals so that we kind of don't have these spikes up and down. Um, and so helps us to kind of just have a little bit more of a steady state physiologically and emotionally. So reishi can be a great support. I mean, again, all these things you also want to check out uh, for yourself personally. That's again why, you know, kind of broad-based herbal advice is never a great idea because each of us have our own unique physiology, constitution, energetics, um, physical conditions, etc. Um, and I mean, flower essences, I mean, I, I, I love flower essences. I'm a big fan of flower essence work. Uh, I find it extremely powerful for me, very powerful for a lot of sensitive folks. Um, and so there can be a lot of different, uh, flower essences that can be support in seasons of transition. Again, it depends on what's coming up. Um, you know, but let's say during a season of transition I went through before when I went through my, my miscarriage and then was kind of just trying to find the ground underneath me again, and was doing a lot of intentional grief work. Um, I wrote about this in an article recently, but I did a lot of work with the flower essence of violet, which has an affinity for grief and that plant spirit just really supported me to move the grief energetically when it would get stuck so that it wasn't kind of just staying in my body. Um, but also sometimes it can be like bringing in some of the opposite, for example, you know, like working with the flower essence of sunflower, if you're going through like a really difficult transition, uh, it's feeling like really heavy emotionally, you can work with a plant that has an affinity for the sun, for example, uh, like sunflower and bring some more light into your spirit to kind of bring some balance that way. So you kind of want to think about, you know, with seasons of transitions, you want to think about leaning into working with what's there and also creating any sort of balance that you need um, so that the system feels like your personal system feels like supported during that transition and held, right? Um, so that's all I'll say about that. Stones. Well, there's a lot of different stones. Um, you know, rose quartz is an amazing support for just like connecting to our own love and self-compassion. There was a, like a, I remember like a really rough period where I went through like some breakup and then, um, there's just like a lot emotionally happening for me. And I feel like I, I took baths with rose quartz, like next to me for like a solid year. <laughs> Um, so rose quartz can be really great for like heartache, um, needing like just support, like um, emotionally needing to be in touch with your, uh, the loving part of yourself, expanding your self-compassion. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, moonstone moonstone, like has been a, a stone that I've worked with for a long time. I worked, started working with it many, many years ago to just really connect to, the divine feminine, like the, the healthy feminine expression of myself. We all have feminine, masculine energies inside of us. And I recognize that I wasn't, you know, really fully in touch with that part of myself. So Moonstone was really supportive in that. Um, and also connecting to our supportive of connecting to our intuition. Um, and then there can be just like really, uh, grounding stones too that can be something like hematite uh 
can be like an extremely grounding stone. Um, petrified wood um, can be just really grounding, uh, connecting us to the earth. Um, but even just like picking up stones that are meaningful to you, you know, there's like stones as far as like crystals go, right? Of like you buy from like a crystal shop or something. And then there's stones of like this stone held the vibration that just like from a place that made me feel really grounded or really connected and, you know, ask for permission to make sure that the stone actually wants to come with you. Um, and that can be really powerful to you. Like, cause it could even just like the physical, physical holding of a stone can be really powerful. I've gone through periods of time in my life where stones lived in my bra all the time. Uh, stones lived in a pocket of mine, you know, just like, the physical weight of a stone somatically can connect us. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is just like a lot of somatic practices. I, some somatic meaning body centered, you know, like I have a lot of body centered practices I do in my one-on-one work. And, um, it's also a big part of my toolkit. Um, so yeah, that can be everything from like yoga to, um, specific breathing to nervous system regulation like there's just yeah there's just a lot there so I guess if I'll say anything um what something I want to name about all these questions that I'm answering today is if you have further questions like if I share you know in this episode you have further questions then write write into me write to me through um, the marcymoberg.com forward slash podcast link at the very bottom you can submit a question um, submit a follow up question and I can you know if there's a lot of energy around a particular topic then I might think about dedicating a whole episode to it on in, in season five of the podcast or an upcoming season so I'll say that okay dreams let's go on to dreams. somebody asked, why do we have bad dreams? And well, there's a lot of reasons. (laughs) Um, A lot of reasons can include, uh, you know, sometimes we have bad dreams because we have a lot of unprocessed stress. And so the emotions have to go somewhere and the energy has to go somewhere. It's like, if we just think about it from a physics perspective, the energy has to, it has momentum, it's growing, it has to go somewhere. So a lot of times, um, if we have stress, it will show up through stressful dreams. If we are having quote unquote negative emotions, emotions that we are avoiding, like fear, anxiety, uh, sadness, grief, anger, you know, any of that kind of spectrum that we kind of quote unquote call negative emotions, um, and we're not processing them, they will show up in our dreams asking for attention, asking for acknowledgement, and asking for processing. That's a big, like a huge chunk of the reason of why we have bad dreams. More often than that, not, that's a big reason why we have bad dreams. Another bucket of bad dreams can be spirit contact, and it can be like, you know, maybe some spirit contact that's not really great for you, like not in alignment, a spirit contact that's uh, maybe trying to disrupt you energetically or take some energy from you, or it can be a lot of different layers like that. It's kind of complicated. Um, That's a different bucket of, that can be a different bucket of bad dreams. 
Third bucket of bad dreams can be symbolism. Um, and so sometimes people will have like a really bad, stressful dream and then they'll be like, why, why did I have this dream? Like, you know, and maybe the, the dream in that case is a little bit more symbolic. It's more of a metaphor. It might be like, you know, your guides, your spirit is trying very hard to let you know, like, Hey, you're out of alignment, right? Like you're not going to actually physically get in a, in a car crash, but it's like you're going down the wrong path and we're trying to get you to wake up to the fact that you're going down the wrong path. It's time to make a different decision. Um, so that can be another one. And then like a very, very tiny percentage could be like a premonition dream where maybe you, maybe you dream about, uh, you know, getting into a, um, a minor car crash or something and your spirit team is trying to bring your awareness to say like, hey, pay attention when you're driving on this road, like we need you to pay, pay attention to this. That is less often the case. Um, but I, I think it's not, it's not accurate to say that that never happens. But I generally, like if I were to like order them of things, I would like if I were to have a bad dream, I would first go to like, does this reflect the emotions that I'm having right now that I'm not acknowledging? Second, layer okay if not then is this maybe metaphorical and are my guides trying to give me a message through the metaphor third okay if none of that's the case if it had a certain overtone where the first and the second things i just named were not feeling connected to it if it had an overtone that felt like super super creepy <laughs> and like i feel physically like off Maybe there's some bad spirit contact. And then the last piece like could be very rarely, rarely um, a premonition. Again, all of that becomes, I find, a lot clearer when you have a consistent dream practice. What's a consistent dream practice? Like visiting three, you know, documenting three dreams a year? No. <laughs> consistent means like as much as possible on the daily if you can or at least several times a week, uh, documenting your dreams and working with them. So that's what I'll say about that. All right. Last question. Can you talk about, uh, can you, what can you talk about, um, vivid dreamers who nightwalk and visit other realms and people who are transitioning or need to have interaction? I feel like I've done this my entire life. And it can be exhausting, but I want to glean more understanding from these experiences. Um, and then there's a second part of this that I want to kind of answer separately. Okay, so this person is talking about vivid dreamers who nightwalk. In other words, like they travel to other realms. Uh, I think many of us do that. That our, I do believe that our spirit kind of can travel at night. Sometimes the spirit stays close to us and we're processing our own emotional material in the spirit world. Other times we travel, our spirit travels further away. We travel further away and we visit other realms, other areas, other places. When we're talking about people who are transitioning or in need of, tra need of transitioning, um, I find that that happens, a, not always. There are some folks who are, you know, maybe like their, their sacred role in this life is to be a median, uh, medium. They work with the, the dead and uh, maybe they're even like a, a death doula. They help transition people out of this life. Maybe they become like a, 
a chaplain um, and they work in hospice. Like, you know, some people have that, like that, that's like their main sacred role. A lot of the times though, I find that when people are having a lot of experiences with people who are transitioning and are needing interaction or they're kind of in the process of transitioning. Um, and if that's not the person's sacred role and that's not very clear, then a good chunk of the time it's um, a boundary issue. And a lot of times I see this happen a lot in very highly sensitive and highly intuitive people. Um, it certainly was the case for me. There was a period of time where I joked that I had a line like blocks down the road. <laughs> Every single time I go to night, go to sleep at night, it's like as if somebody turned on like my neon sign and they were like, time to go to work. And <laughs> And then I would just be like visited, visited, visited by spirit contact all night. And I would have a lot of dreams about folks transitioning. I received a lot of information about people who had transitioned or people who had transitioned and were lost and confused and needed support. Um, I found that that changed for me when I addressed my psychic boundaries. Um, again, this comes back to sacred role, you know. I think for a while I was trying to figure out like, is this my sacred role? Like, am I, is that like my primary sacred role? And the answer was no. Like, I, yeah, I am here to help people connect to the dead in the sense that I am, I do incorporate ancestor work. Um, a lot of my orientation is towards ancestral reverence and towards addressing uh, ancestral intergenerational trauma in, in an essence, which sometimes can include like spirit work on that, in that realm. And, uh, and addressing if there's like unhelpful spirit contact, like shifting that. But my role is not here to like just help transition people all the time. Like that's not my role. I do have a sense that I will help some family members in that capacity. But it's, right now, I don't think my role is, for example, to work in hospice. So if you're listening and, you're, and this is your question, you're like, well, yeah, I don't feel like I'm meant to be a death doula. I'm not meant to work in hospice. I'm not meant to be a chaplain that works with the, the, the dying. Then my invitation for you would be to tighten up your intuitive boundaries. And that's learning things like psychic protection. That's learning things like when, how to turn the volume down, how to, how to close intuitive channels. That's like learning how to build relationships uh, with protective powers in your life and guides and well and bright ancestors that can basically be like the spiritual bouncers that say like yes and no to who's trying to come through the spiritual door. Um, it also can be addressed through, um, in addition, it requires good self-care. If you're running yourself ragged, you're not getting good sleep, uh, you're overextending yourself, that can all create kind of like a porous aura situation where you can have a, like a ton of spirit contact. Um, the other piece can be uh, unfocused energy. So I find this a lot where people get really ex excited about like intuitive topics or spirituality or the spirit world or whatever that is. And then they're studying like all the things. And it's kind of like metaphorically inside their system, like they've opened like so many computer browsers you know, like windows in their body. And it's just too much. It's too porous. The system can't hold it with integrity. And so uh, then they end up just kind of having tons and tons and tons of spirit contact, which can be exhausting, like you named. 
So my recommendation would be to learn how to create better protection, psychic protection, better boundaries in your personal life, in the material world, with your relationships, with internal boundaries with yourself, and then therefore also on the spirit plane. Um, And if as you're doing that, you feel stuck, again, that is a topic I work on a lot with people. Um, So that's that piece. Then the last piece about um, is a question about flying in dreams and moving to various locations without knowing the greater context. I would need to know greater context about like what's exactly happening in a dream because, you know, you could be flying in a dream because it could be metaphorical. It could be a metaphorical dream where your spirit, your spirit guides are trying to get you to understand a specific message. Um, It could be that you're flying in your dream because in the spirit world, we are not confined to the material body and therefore we can do things in dreams that we can't do necessarily or as easily in the material world. So for example, um, you know, it could be that the case that someone has uh, is quite clairvoyant, like maybe they have the primary way, way that they receive intuitive information is through visions. And it might be in the material world that that happens from time to time, but maybe then suddenly in the dream world, this person is able to be very clairvoyant. They have like remote, um, remote scanning abilities. Like they can like be in a, in the dream, they can be in the place where they are, but they can also see other places that are not there. It's like they can for, foreshadow, foresee what's going to happen, or they can look around the corner without having to physically leave the room. Like, so that's very common. And again, that's because our spirit is not limited to our body. Our consciousness is not limited to the physiology and and the density and the material nature of our body in the spirit realm when we're in dream time. So that's that. It can also be metaphor. It could be also a representation of a feeling. Like maybe you feel like you're really expanding at this point in your life and and the flying is a recognition of that. Um, the flying and moving to various locations could be that your spirit is exploring right now and, and traveling to different locations, etc. Um, I do also find that when we develop a consistent dream practice, um, a lot of times the kind of the kind of exhausting, like all the spirit contact. Uh, you know, kind of, whoa, it's so much a uh, nature of things, it starts to become more focused. When we, and what I mean by dream practice, I don't just mean like documenting them, but documenting them, understanding them, acting on them, documenting them, understanding them, acting on them. It's like when we start to, it, it allows us to get more and more and more and more and more and more and more in sync with the spirit world so that we're more and more and more and more and more in sync with the channels of the spirit world that we need to be in tune with versus all the channels. Because, you know, because we're in this case, in a, in this situation where a good chunk of modern people are not necessarily, at least where I live in the United States, like a good chunk of people are not tuned into the spirit world. It's like when somebody starts to open up to that, if they do so without um, focus boundaries, protection, etc. It does become a situation where it's like we have a neon sign and then anyone and anything will talk to us. So, you know, 
Discretion is important and having some focus. Um, so if any of that speaks to you, you could check out my Intuition Unlocked course where I kind of do a lot of the, the, the basics of intuition development and some basics around psychic protection. And then if you wanted to ever go deeper, we could do one-on-one -on -one work or you could work with a practitioner where you could really refine uh, your focus, your protection, um, all those things that I kind of named. All right. That's, yeah, that's what I want to say about that. That, that, that is, uh, that's the end of that question. Well, that's a wrap for season four of the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this listener Q&A as much as I did recording it. You sent some really awesome questions in, so thank you for those of you who submitted them. I had a lot of fun answering them. And if you love this episode, please share it with one friend and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Both actions take one to two minutes. And remember, if you have a question, topic, or idea that you'd love to contribute to season five, you can head on over to marcymoberg.com forward slash podcast, scroll to the bottom of the page, click the submit a question button, and super easy. Final reminders, make sure you join my newsletter if you're not already on it, um, so that you know when season five of the podcast goes live and latest updates. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. Many platforms, um, like I said, allow you to turn on notifications so that you always know when the latest episode drops and is live. I hope you have a wonderful end of your summer. I'm excited to uh, recoup, regenerate, rest, and then come back with a rich season five. So for now, I will leave you with my personal mantra, being you takes courage and see you on the other side for season five soon. Much love. Thank you so much for tuning in today with me. I hope you loved the episode and it enriches you just as much as it has for me to create it. If you enjoyed this episode, consider becoming a Patreon. You can join starting at $10 a month. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash Marcy Moberg. Another way to support the podcast is through reviews. I would be so grateful for you to hop on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and share your rating and review, ideally five stars. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And you can always learn more about me and my work at marcymoberg.com. Until next time, remember that being you takes courage. Lots of love.